0: All right, so last week we kicked off a new series called Religion and Politics, and uh, we had an overwhelming response with uh, people in a positive tone, uh, sharing with us how much they learned and how they were able to apply a lot of the principles that we shared from the scripture. And so today we're going into week and I've got a panel that's going to be joining me here in a little bit, but I think it's important that we do a little refresher and recap on what we learned last week. We see from the teachings of scripture that uh, God calls us into the civic space to do more than just vote. Voting is important, but the capacity that we have to love God and neighbor, the great commandment, to go and make disciples, the great commission, and to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God, the great requirement, is so important. And it can not be limited to a simple vote. We can do so much more. We were made for so much more. And so Jesus tells us that we're the salt and light of the earth, that we're the preserving agent. We're an illuminating people that are to show people who God is and love people like Jesus loves them. And so we want to talk tonight, or actually it's this morning while we record right now, (laughs) but what we want to talk about is what does that actually look like? How do I actually go beyond just voting to occupy this civic space with salt and light? This is what the apostle Paul said in Galatians 5, 6. He says, the only thing that matters is faith expressed through love. And so that's really what we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be talking about how do we actually uh, maneuver and how do we actually bring salt and light to this civic space? And so let's just pray and then I'm going to invite up our panel. Father, right now, we just, we just tune in to what you're saying. We ask that you'd help us listen, you'd help us learn, and you'd help us receive from you through your people. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. All right, let's put our hands together. Let's welcome up Jen, and we've got Lou, and we've got Bryant, and we've got George. Beautiful. And I just want you guys to know these are some really inspiring people uh, from hearing their stories and how God has used them in their life in this civic space. It's been super encouraging to me. And so we're just going to have kind of a conversation and get kicked off with a couple of questions. And the first of which is this. We just want to hear about your journey uh, in this civic space and how, how God has used you to engage as salt and light. We'll get kicked off with you, Jen.
1: Um, I actually work with Health and Social Services with Solano County, and I've been with the county in general for five years. Um, and right now I work with older and disabled adults, so it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. They're very sweet. Um, and five years ago, I just needed a job. Um, <laughs> I needed health insurance in my mid-twenties, and this was a very safe pick for me, and I had no idea what I was falling into. Um, and as I was learning on the job, I realized that there's just a whole community that I had no idea about. There were people out there that just had no access to basic health care and food assistance and housing. And so as the years went by and um, as I'm in the county now, I just realized, I asked myself this question, what what is my role in community? And so as far as um, the gaps that I see in different regulations and what I can actually do on the job. I think about what I can do and what the church can do to fill those gaps and help more people.
0: Wow. You were just looking for a job, but God had so much more in mind. And I know Brian, you had a job that led you deeply into the civic space in bridging a gap in relationship as a police officer.
2: Right. I've been involved in law enforcement for about 25 years. Uh, Even prior to that, I was in the military. And every other job I've held uh, has been a service-oriented type position. Um, It was just instilled in me just to always go out and see what I can do to help other people. And um, I enjoy that as much as I possibly can.
0: And you've told me, obviously, right now with so much happening in our country with the police, there's been a significant divide. And and you said that throughout your journey as a police officer, there was consistent communication and bridging the gap with the community.
2: Right. It's a matter of just bridging that gap between the community. I I think um, we have to, uh, in law enforcement, you have to allow yourself not just to be the badge and the gun, but you have to be a human being and you have to talk to these people and not just talk, but Even more importantly, to listen. Listen. Everyone has a story to tell. And I think um, if you look at them as, this is my brother, this is my sister, this is my father, this is my mother, grandmother, cousin. Um, And then you have to think in terms of, if I had a family member in that same position, how would I want them to be treated? So I think that's what a lot of people in law enforcement just have to start looking towards. Look at these people as if they're your family.
0: That's good. Thank you for your service as well. And we've got George over here. He has a family history of actually, it, it runs in the family public office. Exactly.
3: Yeah. Uh, my grandfather, father and mother were all elected officials over in Sonoma County. Uh, my mother was one of the first women elected back in the sixties in the county. Wow. So, uh, giving back and being part of the is just, uh, always been a part of how we were raised giving back. So, uh, When we moved over here to Fairfield in 1989, I got involved with Little League uh, because in the Cordelia area, uh, there wasn't an avenue for the kids to uh, participate in sports uptown, so uh, two years into the Little League, I took over the site selection and started looking for sites with the city. Started raising money, and nine years later, it took nine years to go through all the city hurdles. Wow! Raising over a million dollars, wow. and uh, we built the fields. And the kids have—you know—we've had thousands and thousands of kids over the last you know, 18 years that have been, wow. been playing out there. Come so on, it's what exciting. an accomplishment. Yeah, exactly. That's more than just coaching literally. It's a lot more. You got
0: on the board, you fought for it, yeah. you zoned it, you made it happen, you raised the money, and now thousands of kids, parents, grandparents, families have been able to experience that. Thank you yeah. so much you f- for your service. And Lucia, let's hear from you. You've, you've shared with me a very interesting story. You've traditionally worked in HR for big companies and bridged the gap between like local cities and neighborhoods and big companies.
4: Yeah, I've always uh, worked in big corporations and big companies, and for me, it's important to be a part of something that's really providing services that a community needs. Um, I've had times in my life where I've lived in neighborhoods where we didn't have grocery stores, we didn't have access to transit. Um, It's not an easy way to live, and to be part of something where we actually get to help people in that way has been really important to me, and so I've worked in retail, I've worked in tech, but always in like a managerial or HR capacity. And that's really given me a unique opportunity for influence and the opportunity to change things. And I really think that when businesses can pair up with nonprofits, with local government, there's just so much good that we can do.
0: That's so good. And so we want to hear... When you step into this civic space, you're obviously gonna rub shoulders with people that you would never rub shoulders with otherwise, right? And so we'd love to hear some stories from you guys. Uh, we'll start with uh, you, Lucia. What, what are what are some stories about some people that you've been directly able to influence, love, and serve as a result of stepping into this space?
4: Yeah, I have a, there's a gentleman that I, I worked with when I was in retail who I'll, I'll always remember his story and you know, when, I, when I come to work, I always try to find a way to be disruptive. <laughs> and when I say disruptive, I mean I, I really want to be a part of breaking cycles and um, removing barriers for people. And so one year we were hiring for the holidays. We had a lot of roles to fill. And I actually ended up partnering up with a local nonprofit, and they focused on providing jobs and helping recently incarcerated folks with job placement. Wow. And so this was a, uh, not the most popular decision at my place of work, but uh, I I really had to go back to the Bible and I look at Jesus' life and unpopular decisions was like what he did, right? It's kind of his jam. And so I I had to really submit to to God and what I think he was calling me to do. And um, this man that I was talking about earlier, um, he was saying that he had been looking for a job For months. Wow. And he was qualified. I I did his interview, so he's very qualified, and nobody would hire him. And that's just not a sustainable situation. And and I think it's really easy for us to look at that story and say, well, that's not my problem, or what am I supposed to do about it? And, you know, I think of, of Luke 10, Jesus says, love thy neighbor. And the first response was not how, but who is my neighbor?
0: Sure, trying to get out of it.
4: Exactly. And, I, you know, I've been that person to come at Jesus looking for a loophole, but, you know, fortunately there's, there's grace and, and he gives me what I need to be better.
0: So good. George, how about you? In all those years of service and all the boards that you sat on, how have you been able to influence others? Well, years ago when I was coaching a, a high,
3: some high school kids in an all star game, there was this kid, Raymond, who was. Uh, having some troubles at home and you know at school and stuff and just working with him through the practices and talking to him and and more most importantly listening um he came up to me after it was all said and done and thanked me for caring and listening to him and that's you know when it, you talk back to those kids and say you can be anything you want to be don't let someone tell you what you're going to be you decide and you create who you want to be and what you want to be for the future.
0: Is that just simple conversation through coaching? It's just simple listening.
3: We all love to talk,
0: and God knows I do. But (laughs) the most important thing is when you have big ears, you got to listen. They're there for a reason. That's right. That's so good. And let's hear from Jen. Uh, Working at the county, you're obviously serving these elderly people, right? So who, who have you been able to influence and serve and love?
1: yeah um the person that comes to mind and she's actually I don't have favorites, but she's one of my favorites. her <laughs> name is mary
0: mary and
1: it but it you know our relationship wasn't always like that our first interaction was really tough um she was angry and I wanted to help her. And she was angry that I would ask questions because I wanted to help her. And so it was just this journey of, um, me letting her vent to me and listening and understanding that actually she has a big story. Um, her daughter was murdered, um, she has a disability that's causing her to really lose her independence and so there's so much going on and I think the biggest thing that she needed was just for me to be there and serve her in love and I think something that I learned um, especially from interacting with um, the county and and working there is that when I'm serving someone that can be challenging or seemingly challenging I have to make sure that I'm, I'm listening to my heart. So I'm making sure that my heart is open and I'm serving them in love because that's what I'm there for. I'm just here to serve the community in love.
0: Wow, that's so good. And I think so much of this is going above and beyond what maybe our job description dictates. I'm pretty sure your job description didn't say hire an incarcerated person or put up with someone and love them well that's, you know, causing you harm or giving you a hard time, right? How about you, Brian? In all your years of service, uh, you've been on the front lines for so many years. Uh, how have you seen God use you to serve and influence? Well,
2: I don't really like to receive accolades uh, <laughs> for things that I do. But, um, but the one story that um, comes to mind um, is about a five-year-old boy named Riley. Um, I-, I was a patrol officer at the time, and I got a call for a welfare check. There were other officers who also received the welfare check on uh, this Riley and his dad. Um, apparently, the family members hadn't heard from the dad and Riley for about a day and a half. Um, make a long story short, um, we got there and found out the dad had passed away. And the five-year-old kid was on his own for a day and a half. He had been eating cereal out of cereal boxes and actually sleeping with his dad. Um, now at a minimum for law enforcement, you could do things where call social services, get a hold of family members so they can take the child. You call the sheriff's office, coroner, take dad away and you leave and you write your report. But uh, at that time, the other officers and I were like, we, we can't do this. So, I mean, I couldn't do it. So we uh, interacted with the child, got a hold of his mom. We, we met to the mom's needs and the child's needs. And uh, we interacted, like I said, with the child. And then uh, a few days afterwards, we received a thank you card from the mom, thanking us for being there. Um, she said, little boy Riley was... Had, we had given him one of those junior officer badges, and she said he wouldn't even take that thing off. He loved it so much. So, I, I think sometimes in whatever position you have to go above and beyond what you're required to do. Um, you have to look into your heart when you want to help somebody, and, and I, I think you'd be the better person for it.
0: So good. Above and beyond. It's not on the job description, but as followers of Jesus, that is our job description. It's loving God and people and acting justly and giving mercy and compassion and grace. And so let's, let's finish up with this question. Uh, How has the gospel informed our political views and our perspectives? Uh, We all have a family of origin that kind of like nurtures this dynamic in the way that we see the world, but I'd love to pass the mic to George and we'll get him kicked off because he grew up in a family where there were people in office. How has the gospel shaped, changed, informed your perspectives and views?
3: Well, I told Mark earlier when he asked me to be on the panel, I said I could write a book on this subject because i could go on forever and to keep it down short. It'll be tough. But, um, you know, people today with politics, they don't like politics. Um, it's not like it used to be. So outside influence have a, have a large effect on people, whether it's a union, the media, a five to eight second soundbite. And we have to through that, think about our, who we are and what our true beliefs are, and so what i 've done now is gone back more to a local getting involved locally because that 's where we have the greatest effect on what we do um, politically. You, you get to meet the candidates, you get to ask them questions face to face, you get to see them and know them, and so because those are the future leaders of tomorrow, people like to step up, so start locally and get involved because those are the people at your church or a little league field or wherever where you're going to get to know that person and know what what their beliefs are and where their heart really lies.
0: That's great. That's what I hear you saying is the gospel, hey, we don't just vote. The gospel moves us towards people in a local setting where we can actually affect change that we can see. How about you, Jen?
1: Yeah. um, I think the gospel has really transformed me on the inside. Um, I find myself often, like David, asking God to search my heart, um, find anything that offends you and doesn't line up with you. And I think what's really important to me is making sure that my worldview or my opinion isn't um, taking over what uh, I do in the community and how I treat people, Um, I think. And then after that, I ask myself, then I can go to God and ask, how do you want me to love others in the community? What, what do you want me to do?
0: And Brian, as a police officer in an environment that's so polarizing right now, right? How, how do you feel like the gospel has informed your perspective?
2: Well, I look at, like I said, from the perspective of a law enforcement officer and then a lot of law enforcement officers, uh, I'm sure their, their feelings are of anger, um, depression, Um, frustration being reaped upon them because of what their profession is but then at the same time I can I mean throughout my life I can understand uh, feelings directed towards you of racism um, social injustices what I think you have to do you can't let that stuff settle in your heart you have to empty your heart you got to let that stuff go Uh, you got to fill your heart with love you you can't do that because what will happen you'll end up espousing all that hate and poison and evil that's within inside of you and it starts to spread. And I think if you start opening up yourself and let love go into your heart, um, all that stuff will go away. It won't matter.
0: Wow, so good. And Lucia, you grew up in Berkeley, like the political capital of the world, it seems to be. And so please inform us how the gospel has informed you.
4: So uh, I Did not grow up in church. Like I I didn't come from a Christian family. Uh, I didn't have anyone in my life talking to me about Jesus or the Bible. And so my whole framework and reference point for Christianity was like politicians in the news. (laughs) And so I, I didn't know anything about the gospel. I knew almost nothing. And so in Berkeley, like part of part of the upbringing, part of the value system is we, we're really taught to understand the way that politics impacts our world and our own life. So, you know, for me, I think of like, am I going to get healthcare or not? Or what neighborhood am I allowed to live in? What school am I allowed to go to? What is the ethnicity of the person I'm allowed to marry? Like, those are all things that are impacted by and have been impacted by politics. And what's, what's been really important to me is to, to dial it back for a minute and say, okay, there's something that impacts my world. And it's not, I don't consider politics private or um, personal for me because the impacts are not private or personal. It's really my public witness. And it's, it's a way that I can love my neighbor. And so one of the things that, that I like to think about is when I vote, when I serve someone, is how is this loving my neighbor and it's not enough for me to just do things and make decisions that benefit me or my family or people that I know and I like. Um, you know, Luke 6, like even sinners love those who love them, right? Like God calls me to something higher and he really calls me to serve and, and vote for people who I, I don't know, people who I think are different than me. And even with all of those things, you know, politics asks us to answer some really hard questions. Um, we have to answer questions like, what do we do with our money? Or how do we um, protect the vulnerable? Or how do we respond to people who do harm? And those are some really big questions. But fortunately, the Bible provides us with answers to those questions. And it's not really, like my, my life really changed in this area when I stopped thinking and trying to figure out, what does my party say? It's really about, what does the Bible say?
0: Wow, so good. Thank you guys so much for sharing all that. And uh, we wanna be salt and light. We want to occupy with biblical foundations and worldviews what the gospel tells us to do, is to go. And this is an arena that needs Christian help, that needs Christian prayer, that needs Christian love, and that we're to look... uh, through this political season, through the eyes of scripture, to know what's really going on and to ask hard questions and to deconstruct uh, what's really happening so that we can be informed and we can have a great public witness. But guess what? Our witness is not limited to just informed, effective voting. It's actually so much more than that. It's getting involved with all kinds of programs that are already happening. Maybe it's God leading you to start a nonprofit that doesn't exist yet. It could be partnering with things that are already happening at the school level or at the community level. And we are doing many of those things, uh, as a church and experience. But there are so many other things that you can just do personally. You know, I know some people, they, they ask me, well, what is the church doing? And then uh, my, my next question is, well, I don't know, what are you doing? You're the church. And so whatever you're doing, that's what the church is doing, right? And so we have an opportunity to do some things together, but there are things, we don't live in the same neighborhood. So the mission in your neighborhood may be different than the mission in my neighborhood. And so let's all look at this through the lens of scripture and allow the Holy Spirit to move us out of the Christian bubble hey family of God get out of the Christian bubble get out of the the, the Christian bubble and let's get into our neighborhoods and let's get into our schools and let's get into our communities and let's love people and listen to people and come alongside people to bring healing. I really believe that's what God's doing. He's hearing the cry of broken people and he wants to use us to heal the cry of broken people. And so let's pray. If you would just bow your head and close your eyes with me. Oh Lord, (laughs) we're salt and light. Sometimes it sure doesn't feel like it. Sometimes we don't know how to be who we are. And so, Lord, we just ask that you'd help us, help us grow in our identity as your family, that we would be effective, that we would be wise, that we would be winsome, that we would love like you love. And I pray, Father, that you would fill every one of us with your Holy Spirit. You said that your Holy Spirit would fill our hearts with love, like Bryant said, that there'd be no room for hate, that there'd be no room for anger or evil, but there'd be plenty of room for love to flow through us to hurting people. And lastly, Lord, I pray that you would use us. Use us with people that we never thought we would rub shoulders with. Use us in environments that we thought we would never find ourselves in. Get us out of our comfort zones, Holy Spirit, and use us for your glory and the benefit of others. In Jesus' name.